everybody. Welcome to the OETA Movie Club podcast. My name is Jeff Moreva. I'm the director of the show, and I'm here with our host, Robert Birch. How are you doing, Jeff? Doing pretty good today. How are you? Really well. Good. Really well. we got a great movie today. We do. A great uh, submarine movie for y'all. Um, yeah. Airing this next coming Saturday at 9 o'clock on OETA for the OETA Movie Club. Um, we've got Run Silent, Run Deep. How many submarine movies do we get here oh, on the movie club? Um, not many. Not many. Not many. <laughs> um, yeah, no, this is a great one. Um, Clark Gable, um, Burt Lancaster, um, just just a great war movie, and and uh, and yeah, they they did a lot of um, training and stuff with real submariners on uh-huh. this, so it's very realistic, I think. And so. Burt Lancaster produced this too. He was the like the executive producer for this. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, so basically, it's uh, uh, you've got a World War II submarine commander, uh, Clark Gable, right? Yeah. And he is um, immediately, uh, he's, he's sort of got a uh, Captain Ahab uh, white whale thing going with a Japanese submarine. Right. And he's trying to, you know, uh, match wits with the commander of the, the enemy submarine, while at the same time, He's battling his his uh, number one his his uh, executive officer Burt Lancaster and the rest of the crew. He's at odds with them. Yeah, yeah. And I was reading that Clark Gable and Burt Lancaster didn't exactly get along. Right. Famously during this uh, movie. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, Clark Gable was. He was ill during the, the making of this movie. Yeah. Um, he, there's a few scenes, and you, it's kind of noticeable in a few scenes that his head will kind of shake pretty bad. Uh-huh. Um, but rumors. But it could be, right, I think you're going to say. Alcoholism. Right. Um, rumors were said that it was from his alcoholism and smoking four packs of cigarettes a day. Wow. Yeah. Which, you know, I mean, it's no... Uh, it's no uh, Donald O'Connor. Donald O'Connor, who was smoking like eight packs a day or whatever. A carton a day. A carton a day. Um, but four packs a day, that's pretty... Uh, that's a substantial that's habit. A, that's a habit right yeah. there. That's that's insane. Yeah. Of course, you know, they were 10 cents a pack, but... Uh, well, yeah. Yeah. In World but, War Two, they're just giving them <laughs> they're away. They're just giving right? away, yeah. Oh, you're on the crew now? Here's your cigarettes. Um Probably no filters either. Right. Um, uh, not that that helps that much, but it does help. Four packs a day. That's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, there was also rumors that he might have had Parkinson's. Right. Um, but uh, but no, I'm, I'm guessing it was the alcoholism. Well, no, the director but, says, uh, uh, you know, he, uh, Gable was very professional. This is Robert Wise saying this, yeah. that, the, that he was very professional. Uh, you know, he'd show up on time. He knew his lines. He would hit his marks correctly. But he wanted to knock off every day at 5 o'clock. And Robert Wise, you know, said, and I don't agree with this. He he said, um, well, at this stage in his life, uh, he just, you know, would get tired very early. At this stage in his life, he's 56 years old. 56. Right? But he's smoking four packs of cigarettes a day. And he's drinking a lot, right? (laughs) He's got the lungs of a Uh Uh 90-year-old. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. That kind of lifestyle will catch up to you well there was you know there was a lot of criticism i guess you would say um for this movie even though like 
on one hand, it was said that it was portrayed as a very accurate um, movie, movie time or you know wartime movie, uh-huh. um, and then the criticism was, was saying that the actors were all too old. That was the main thing. That was the main thing. Was that Clark Gable at fifty six was probably twenty years. 30 years well, older than... Well, they all than, were. They all were. The crew, everybody. Right. I mean, Burt Lancaster is supposed to be the young, upcoming executive officer, and he's right. 44. He's 44. And, and Don Rickles is probably in his mid-30s yeah. for this. Um, and they said all the crew would yeah. have been early 20s, They're late teens, too, early 20s. The whole crew was too yeah, old. Too old. And, uh, yeah, most, um, most captains and, and people in those positions that Clark Gable and Burt Lancaster played were in their early 30s. Yeah. And, uh, and their Which 40s and 50s. Which is a little scary, you know, <laughs> for an old guy looking at, you know, really? 30-year-olds 30 are, are making decisions? Making war decisions? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, yeah, that is true. That is true. I'm, I'm, uh, I, I wouldn't have wanted to make those decisions 15 years no. ago. No. Um, yeah. So now, um, uh, this is Don Rickles' first film. Yes. Right? Yeah. I loved him in Goodfellas. He's in, uh, you know, uh, uh, so many great films. Yes. Uh, but this is his first, and um, he almost didn't get it. Yeah. Right? Frank Gorshin, the, um, the, he's, he's a comedian and actor and impersonator. I, I saw him um, as a kid. My dad took uh, my sister and I to um, this little dinner theater at the Lincoln Plaza uh, hotels here on you know, Oklahoma City, just yeah. right up from the Capitol. And um, an evening with Frank Gorshin. Uh-huh. And uh, he was great. Yeah, he was. You know, he he was a comedian. He sang and he did these impressions that were marvelous. I mean, he was really good. You close your eyes and you'd think it was him. Yeah, and um, or you'd think it was who he was doing. Right, right, right. And um, but so Frank Gorshin was uh, initially supposed to test for Petty Officer Ruby, and he's afraid to fly, so he says, eh, "I'm going to drive." up for the test and he gets into a really bad car accident four days later you know he's got a cracked skull four days later he wakes up in a hospital bed and finds out that uh don rickles got the part don rickles got the part oh if i had only flown yeah you know <laughs> somebody could have knocked me unconscious and i could have flown um yeah i mean that that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> that just sucks. Yeah. So then uh, he became the Riddler on Batman. <laughs> right. Which is great. He's great in that. Is that sure. Yeah. Sure. Um, so this movie, there's a lot of scenes that they were shot actually in submarines. They they uh, they were aboard the USS Redfish. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Um, uh, you know, the, all the interiors were shot in an actual submarine. The exteriors, however, they had several shots of the USS Redfish and some other subs, but they did a lot of it with miniatures. Yeah. They did a lot of special effects with miniatures and, and, uh, and you know, just which was at the time of this movie were kind of state of the art. Yeah. You know? Cutting um, edge for Cutting edge for, for, that. For, for that year. And they um, shot some of the underwater scenes in the, I believe it was the Salton Sea. Yes. Outside, uh, uh, like Baja and and uh, Los Angeles. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, that was uh, cutting edge. Back it was. Then. I, this is 1958. This was, you know, cutting edge effects. You know, and uh-huh. and uh, but yeah, they they, you know, 
they the effects were just they were really cool at the time you know uh-huh. um but uh yeah they cast real submariners because they wanted during the attack scenes they wanted the real lingo the real uh-huh. you know everything that was going on pressing the same buttons pressing the same buttons and everything all that. and, and uh, so yeah so i mean but imagine how hard it would have been to shoot inside of a submarine oh yeah i mean that that's crazy Not, well and it premiered it did. When, it, when it when it came to a premiere uh, they they played the film underwater <laughs> <laughs> they took it under took a submarine underwater uh, you know all the uh, people who lined up to to be at the premiere um, they got a little submarine they ride. got a submarine experience across upon up, up on the USS perch is uh, where it was the perch the perch now that doesn't sound all that threatening does it no no of course not <laughs> um, the SS minnow it was docked at the in the Pacific Ocean um, uh, near Terminal Island mm. California so, yeah, that sounds kind of ominous, doesn't yeah. it? Ta- terminal um, Island? Now, some of the interior scenes, not all of them were done in the submarines. Mm-hmm. Some of them were actually done in uh, Samuel Golden Studios in Hollywood. Um, but they brought in, at the time, it was $500,000 worth. By today's standards, that's about $5 million dollars worth of real submarine equipment on loan from the Navy. So they didn't really... Rent it, right? They didn't right. have to spend half a <laughs> million dollars, it, yeah. right? That's true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so it was hundred thousand dollars worth, five, the equivalent of five million dollars right. worth of equipment that the Navy was like, yeah, you oh, can borrow it. We're not using it sure. today. It's the government, right? <laughs> it's so the they government. can afford it. Exactly. It's not their money. Um, now there is a really recognizable person in this that has no credits because um, Japanese American Teru Shimada. I uh-huh. believe I'm saying that right. Yeah. Plays an uncredited submarine Japanese subcommander shown early in the film. Um, but he had a very long career as supporting roles. His best known, though, is playing the Spectre bad guy, Mr. Asota. Oh, I remember Sato, him. Yeah. Um, in James Bond, You Only Live Twice. You Only Live Twice. Yeah. yeah. So that's He's a very familiar face. A Bond villain. No credit. No credit. I know he'd go on to be a Bond villain. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, it gets no credit in this movie. What's up with that? I don't know. Last week we were talking about the director who didn't give any, himself yeah. credit and was in like, <laughs> he said it was a cameo role, but it was like a, an actual role. Yeah. And no credit. But yeah. eh, that, that's humility there. This seems to be an oversight. This seems to be an oversight. Yeah. yeah. It's like, why didn't we get give this guy credit? Um, so there's several scenes that take place. Um, of, on the USS Nurka at Pearl Harbor, but those were actually really the USS Redfish uh-huh. um, in San San uh, where was it San Diego, California. Right. Um, so yeah, a so big naval base there. Big naval base there. USS Independence was out of there, and yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of big naval vessels. Yeah. Um, it was also reported that this is the first movie that United Artists ever bought the rights to, that they weren't. They didn't already have a production schedule lined up for it. Huh. They bought the rights before they had any production schedule or anything like that. So normally they would have the, a whole production schedule worked up before or, they would purchase the rights to it? I know. Uh, that's it's, a lot it of seems backwards. Yeah. yeah, it does. It seems a little backwards to me. Uh. But, but this one, apparently they wanted it so bad, the, the, the rights to the novel, Run Silent, Run Deep, by Commander yeah. Ed, Edward L. Beach... Yeah. You're a naval commander and your last name's Beach. Beach. You know. Um, but, uh, you but yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, they they bought the rights to it before they even had any kind of 
pre any kind of pre-production on any of it. And it, well, it's loosely based too. Yes, it's not uh, you know like a lot of novels or a lot of scripts. Uh, it's loosely based on that book. Yeah. Now the um, the ship's commander Richardson that Clark Gable plays. You know he's obsessed with uh, this this other submarine that he's trying to find the uh, Akikaze. Yes. And um, th- that was, at, well, it was an actual Navy destroyer, uh, a Japanese Navy destroyer, not a submarine. And um, it had a, a really illustrious career during World War II. Um, basically, it, its, li- its final mission, it was uh, to basically as, uh, work as a escort ship for a carrier, the um, the Navu or the Juno, Junio, Junio, yeah. And um, so, in near the Philippines, there was the U.S. Navy submarine, the Pintado, that attacked the Junio, uh, shot um, its torpedoes, and the Akikaze deliberately uh, drives in front. You know, uh, goes in front. And, and blocks those torpedoes from hitting the aircraft carrier, it it destroyed the Akikaze, and there was a, a crew of 148 that went down yeah. with that ship. Yeah. So it was a real Japanese destroyer. Yeah. That's just crazy. Um, apparently some of those, the, as they're called the Bungo Straits in this movie, but their actual name is Bungo Channel. Uh-huh. Um, Near Japan. Near Japan was actually one of the most dangerous patrol areas during World War II. Um, it's a very narrow channel between three of the four main islands that make up the majority of Japan. Um, you know, you've got um, the island where Nagasaki is located. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got, uh, you know, the, the the largest island, which is where Hiroshima is. Yeah. Hiroshima. Um, and, uh, I mean, just so those apparently were the- it was a very dangerous oh, place yeah. to... And to, to say that that's where it, they would patrol, I doubt they're patrolling it very re- regularly. That would be like um, reconnaissance or, or you know, you, you're going there every once in a while. You're yeah. not like hanging out there very long. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that would be, you know, very tough to like thread between those islands every every day, every week, whatever. Right. I'm sure it was a very rare. It'd be just a matter of time before you got caught. You got sunk. caught. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I didn't know that this, in 1965, so, you know, just seven years after the movie was made, um, it was being developed as a television series. Yeah. Um, but nothing ever came out of 65, it. 65, yeah. So. I mean, lots of, lots of failed pilots, lots of uh, projects that never made it. I yeah. think for every TV series you would see, there's probably uh, 100 pilots that, that just didn't yeah. make it. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's a lot that shouldn't have made it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That is very true. Um, So another thing I thought was interesting, we were talking last week about the Twilight Zone and and some of the actors who went on to be in that. This movie has eight actors that would eventually go on to make, you know, pretty good sized roles in the Twilight Zone. You got Jack Warden, uh, Don Rickles, Joe Morose, Mary LaRoche. Uh-huh. LaRoche. LaRoche. Ken Lynch, um, Nick Kravitz, John Close, 
Um, I mean, you got all these actors that are just. Now, Nick Kravitz, uh, he was like best friends with uh, uh, Burt Lancaster because they had done a lot of old films uh, together. Um, Kravitz usually he would play um, mutes because he had a really thick Brooklyn accent. Right. And so uh, a lot of these films that he did with Burt Lancaster were set in like the medieval Europe. Right. Where you know, his Brooklyn accent would really stick out. But in this, right, he gets to, you know, he fits right in. Right. He's, yeah, hey, how you doing? Yeah, yeah. I'm going gonna, gonna to turn the wheel. We're going to go this way, you know, get those <laughs> Japanese. Yeah. Yeah, that, that would be hard to do medieval. <laughs> yeah, that would, just didn't fit in. Would not would not have fit in. Now, but Burke, okay, so uh, the crew said that Clark Gable was great. He took the time to just like shoot the breeze with all the crew members, the real uh, sailors right. on the, on the boat, and uh, you know spend time just being a regular guy. Whereas Burt Lancaster would only really hang out with the officers and uh, spent most of his time in the officers' mess, the dining room. Right. So, yeah, he wasn't all that social. But, you know, Gable was always uh, referred to this way. Um, they said usually, you know, we're like at Ciro's, the great Hollywood uh, restaurant yeah. and, and club. And yeah, everybody wants to go there and see and be seen. There's Chaplin. There's you know, all these film greats. And you'd find Clark Gable outside uh, talking to the valet parkers about right. the cars that they liked. You know, they're talking <laughs> about great automobiles and, you know, guy things. <laughs> and, and yeah, that Gable was a man of the people. He the wasn't, people. you know, this big aloof star like right. so many were. But he was worn out by 56. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was done. Um, by 5 in the evening, he's having his early dinner. Well, maybe he was out with the valet parkers because he could smoke. <laughs> well, I think you could smoke anywhere back That's then. That's right. right? Yeah. That's why you could smoke four packs a day because you could literally go anywhere smoking a cigarette. In the restaurant? Sure. Yeah. In, the, in doctors, the hospital? Yeah. Sure. We're right here by the yeah, oxygen tank. Right here. Just right here. Light up. We're <laughs> what could go wrong? What could go all right. Well, um, we are out of time. No. So, um, really? yes, yes, indeed we are. Um, I do want to give a shout out real quick before we go, though, um, to Ricky Shelton, who sent in a great picture with Danny Glover. Oh, yeah. Um, Again, which, on, I, a, on a on a, like an aircraft an carrier. An aircraft carrier. Yeah. So it was very appropriate for this movie. Um, but, yeah, sent in a great story about him and, and how when they were uh, shooting a movie there, how he posed graciously and they uh-huh. kind of made him an honorary crewman and... Crewman and yeah, I mean, just and there was a guy there, part of his crew that um, had shot. Uh, oh, he had been like a uh, one of the the deck uh, crew on the aircraft carrier when they shot Top Gun. Yeah, and that they had he had personally kicked Tom Cruise off of the off flight the, deck off the deck yeah. for not following the regulations or you know following the rules. And you know, this was like a big rumor, and the, and the guy had. Uh, had confirmed it. Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> Tom Cruise, breaker of rules. <laughs> yeah. You, you got to go downstairs. That's you right. can't be up here. You're dangerous. <laughs> and he's like, oh, he's in character. He's talking, right. I don't care, man. You know? <laughs> Val Kilmer uh, uh, says that. In that's the right. <laughs> You're dangerous. You're dangerous. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, that is all the time we have. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. 
please tune in again next week. Um, and uh, next week we're going to have another great movie, um, War Games. Ooh, I like that one. I, that Matthew a, Broderick. Yeah, that's a great uh, one. Yeah. Ali Sheedy. Yeah. Uh, Barry Corbin. Real, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a real good one. Um, so we're happy to have that one again on the OETA Movie Club. So yeah, um, and then at, the, at the end of this podcast, you'll hear a tag telling you where to send those celebrity photos. If you have one, please send it in. Send in a story to go along with it, and we'll put you on the air and make you famous. Ooh. And uh, so yeah, for That'd about be good. yeah. So um, thank you everybody for listening, and until next week, take care. Bye bye. Make sure to like and subscribe to the podcast. You can preview all upcoming OETA Movie Club films at oeta.tv forward slash movie club. And please send your celebrity photos to P.O. Box 14190, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma 73113, or you can email them to us at oeta.tv forward slash movie club. And of course, tune in every Saturday night at 9 and on Fridays at 11. We'll see you on the couch every weekend for a great movie and fresh popcorn.